China is moving to implement a cashless society, allowing the government to control buying and selling. We will discuss this and other prophecies as we analyze the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation on this edition of End of the Age. There are many different viewpoints on the book of Revelation and how it's structured, how it's laid out, how the prophecies will occur, the timing, the interpretation of many of them. So what I wanted to do on this program, the next two segments here, is to walk you through parts of the book of Revelation and talk about some of the prophecies that are happening right now to kind of help us with the timing and the interpretation of this prophetic book. You know, the book of Revelation is such an exciting book because it deals mostly with the events that are to occur in the end time, which is where we're at right now. The book of Revelation is not really the book of Revelation, but the the first book of the first chapter, the first verse of the first chapter, I should say, Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means the revealing or the, really the unveiling. The unveiling of Jesus Christ is the design of the entire book of Revelation. We have a new revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ DVD series that you can purchase at endtime.com or by calling 1-800-363-8463, which goes through the book of Revelation in great detail. Of course, I won't have time to do that on the uh, program today, but you can purchase that. Revelation contains four very dramatic, exciting accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ back to the earth. The theme of the entire book of Revelation is found in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. In order to really understand the book of Revelation, we need to know it is recorded in three sections, three segments. In Revelation one nineteen. John was told to write the things which he had seen, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. So, the things which thou hast are, or I'm sorry, the things which thou hast seen are recorded in chapter 1. The things which are are recorded in chapters 2 and 3, uh, letters written to churches on the earth 2,000 years ago. And the things which shall be hereafter are recorded in chapters 4 through chapters 22. That's the prophetic portion of the book of Revelation. 
So I want to slow down a little bit and just take a, a, a closer look at these three sections of the book of Revelation, and then we will get into the structural element and go through some of our current events going on in the news today to, to help you to kind of understand some of this wonderful book. In Revelation 1.19, the things that thou hast seen, John saw the Lord, and the Lord introduced himself to John in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. He said, John, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. He further reveals himself as being Jesus Christ. When John says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me and said unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And hath the keys of hell and death. That's Revelation 1, 17 through 18. These are the things which John has seen. The things which are uh, contained in there, these are contained in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. These are the messages to the seven churches of Asia Minor, which existed 2,000 years ago. The churches were uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, and the church of Laodicea. History records after John was released from the exile on the Isle of Patmos, he returned to Asia Minor, which today is Turkey, and he was the overseer of the seven churches. And he delivered the letters, right? Almighty God gave John specific messages to each of those seven churches to present to them, which John did after he was liberated uh, from the exile on Patmos. Now, we come to the larger part of the book of Revelation, uh, and these are the things which shall be found in chapters 4 through chapters 22. The prophetic portion of the book of Revelation begins in chapter 4. It says, After this I looked, and behold, John is saying, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. That's Revelation 4, verse 1. It's the very beginning of the prophecy part of it. Now, many have taught, this is very, very important, that the rapture is described in Revelation 4, verse 1. John is told, Come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. However, this passage has nothing to do with the rapture. Now, I know that might be revolutionary to some of you and messing with your theology that you've been taught your whole life, but it's very important that you understand this. Revelation 4.1, I'll say it again, has nothing to do with the rapture. Remember Revelation 1.19. I will come and John, I will show you things that will be hereafter. It's simply John receiving a vision of things that will happen in the future. And it simply means what it says here. John, I'm going to show you the things 
that must be hereafter from John and from the time of John onward because some of these prophecies were fulfilled well over a thousand years ago. The opening of the first seal, for example. Now, this is simply the point in John's writings where he begins recording the events of the future. And it's important that we understand these things because it helps us to understand the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. It helps us to understand the interpretation of many of these prophecies and the timing of them. So you've got to get the book of Revelation figured out and the segmentation helps you to do that. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end-time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. I have a couple of announcements very quickly. Tomorrow evening, that's Thursday, uh, August 11, at 7 p.m., myself and my wife Jana, Doug Norvell, and his wife Tina will be in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Again, I know it's on a Thursday evening. We don't normally have a conference on Thursday, but we're going to do, we've been doing Fort Smith, Arkansas for years on Thursday nights. So everybody in the Fort Smith, Arkansas area... Uh, we will be at the Pentecostal Church, 3700 Kelly Highway, Fort Smith. And that is, I'll be teaching the future according to Bible prophecy tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock. On Saturday, I will be at the God and Country Theaters in Branson, Missouri, 1840 West 76 Country Boulevard. And that is at 2 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. 
Again, Jerry Presley is Elvis Presley's cousin. He owns the God and Country. He's been listening to End Time for years. We've had a conference up there many times. And so we'll be in Fort Smith, Arkansas tomorrow night. Then we'll be up in God and Country um, Theaters in Branson, Missouri on Saturday at 2 p.m. Again, teaching the future according to Bible prophecy. Look forward to seeing you at those two events. We'll have a great time talking about Bible prophecy, going through current events, a lot of different things. Now, back to the prophecy uh, about the book of Revelation and the, the interpretation of all of this. As we go into Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, this is the beginning of the third segment of Revelation. Chapter 4, verse 1 simply moves into the things which shall be hereafter. Now, I want to clear up a couple common misconceptions with the book of Revelation. There are, again, like I said, there are many views, there are many perspectives of the book of Revelation, many different theological views, and many teach the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials are God's judgments and that they all have to occur during the seven years of tribulation immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, I, I wanted to kind of clear up a couple things here. First, again, m- many people teach that tribulation lasts for seven years. So this is very important. There is not one scripture in the Bible in, that describes a seven-year tribulation. There is a final seven-year period. Of course, Daniel's 70th week. Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. But the entire seven years is not the great tribulation. It's only the final three and one-half years. Every description of the tribulation in the Bible teaches that it lasts for only three and one-half years. Daniel 7.25, Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 through 12, Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, Revelation 12, 7 through 12, Revelation 12, 13 through 17, and Revelation 13, 5 through 7. Every single one of these verses proves conclusively the Great Tribulation only lasts for three and one half years. The three and a half years immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. The misunderstanding about a seven-year tribulation again comes from Daniel 9, 27, which speaks of a covenant that will be confirmed for a seven-year period. I totally agree with that. This verse teaches that the abomination of desolation will occur halfway through that seven-year period. Well, Jesus said that the abomination of desolation would mark the beginning of the Great Tribulation in what? Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 through 21. And from this we know conclusively that the Great Tribulation only lasts for three and one-half years. The Bible uh, refers to it as 1,260 days, time, times, and half a time, or 42 months. They're all about three and a half years. And so that's the length of the Great Tribulation. Secondly, 
not all of the seals, trumpets, and vials are judgments. Some of the seals and trumpets will occur during the Great Tribulation. That's true. But not all of them. Many have already occurred. And so let let me just give you an example. When we talk about the seven seals, the very first seal. Now, we've got lessons on all of this. We've got DVDs. We've got many things. Go to endtime.com and you can read more than you'd ever want to about all of these topics. So I won't have time to prove everyone, but believe me, what I'm saying is true. You'll just have to trust me, and then we'll, I'll go through in another, future lessons and prove it all. But this is very important. The seven seals are the white horse or the white spirit. You say, well, why do you say they're spirits? Go back to Zechariah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, and it tells you what these four horses represent. They are spirits that go forth from the heaven into all the earth. They control the the ideologies of mankind in the end time. So the first seal, the white horse or white spirit in the earth today, Catholicism. Number two, the second uh, horse, the red horse or red spirit in the earth today, socialism or communism, the spirit of socialism or communism. Number three, the black horse, the black spirit, capitalism. Who would say that capitalism is a judgment from God? Again, there are people that teach that these are judgments from God, but capitalism isn't a judgment from God. The pale or the green horse or spirit uh, is Islamism, the ideology of Islamism in the world today. The fifth seal is the Great Tribulation, which is not the wrath of God. That's not a judgment from God, the Great Tribulation. That's the wrath of Satan. Look at Revelation chapter 12. And then the sixth and seventh seals are the second coming of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God at the battle of Armageddon. So the the seals are a set of events leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. It's right there in Revelation chapter 6 and then... Revelation 7 is a parenthetical chapter, and then Revelation, it culminates at the beginning of Revelation chapter 8, the seals. Then we move off into the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets are the first trumpet, World War I, 1914 to 1918. Again, these are not judgments from God. These occurred, and and many of them have already occurred. So they don't have to occur during a seven-year Tribulation period. That's not scriptural. The second trumpet, World War II, 1939 to 1945. The third trumpet, the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, April 26, 1986. A star of worm, John saw a star of wormwood fall from heaven. Wormwood in a Ukrainian Bible is Chernobyl. So it was the Chernobyl nuclear accident in 1986. The fourth trumpet, the speeding up of time in the process of globalization uh, with the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, November 9th, uh, 1989. The fifth trumpet, the Iraq War with Saddam Hussein in 1990, 1991. The sixth trumpet is World War III, which is ahead of us now. Don't know specifically when that will occur. It is one of the next two events to occur on God's prophetic timeline. That war... And the peace agreement, the Sixth Trumpet War, Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21. 
Then we go to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh trumpet. The seventh trumpet is, again, just like the sixth and seventh seal, the seventh trumpet's the same thing. The second coming of Jesus Christ and the wrath of God at the Battle of Armageddon. Now, if you believe that the book of Revelation is written in chronological order, you're going to have the second coming up to this point, Revelation 11, you'll have the second coming and the wrath of God at the Battle of Armageddon happening two separate times. But that only happens one time in the future. The Lord's only going to come back once. And the wrath of God poured out at the Battle of Armageddon is only going to happen one time. But it's described many times in the book of Revelation. When we come to the seven seals, I'm sorry, the seven vials, the seven seals, trumpets, and vials, the seven vials, now they are judgments of God. That is the vials of the wrath of God. Revelation chapter 16 verse 1 says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And then Revelation 16 gives accounts of the um, battle of Armageddon and the vials that are poured out at that, at that time. Uh, grievous sores coming on those that receive the mark of the beast and the sun given power to scorch men and the oceans and different things, the seas being turned to blood. These are the vials of the wrath of God being poured out upon the armies that come down against Israel to battle at the battle of Armageddon. Look at it. It's a localized event if you understand Revelation 16 and the vials. Now, we also need to understand another very important fact as we are taking this overview of the entire book of Revelation. Revelation contains four different accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ, or you might say there are four different accounts of the unveiling of Jesus. The entire book is about the... Uh, of the um, is the unveiling of Jesus Christ or the revealing of Jesus Christ to the world at the time of the second coming. He just provides events leading up to that. Now, as you're going through the four accounts of the second coming in Revelation, you'll come across parenthetical or explanatory chapters. You're going through these different accounts of the the events leading up to the second coming and the battle of Armageddon where the wrath is poured out. And then they're in, 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 uh, in, injected in between some of those accounts are a parenthetical chapter. It's where the Lord will slow down and say, Okay, John, I want you to stop right here. I want to explain something de- in great detail. And then we'll move back into the accounts. Revelation chapter 13 is a very good example of a parenthetical or an explanatory chapter. In chapter 13 the Lord exposes Satan's master plan for the end time, which is a world government. It's it's Satan's effort to establish his physical kingdom here on the earth. Politics is Satan's method of ruling the world. You want to know why politics is so corrupt and that um, an administration could send the FBI into... to uh, raid the home of a former president of the United States. Totally corrupt. Well, that's because Satan is the driver behind that. And so it has to be corrupt, right? Lies, propaganda, agendas being pushed. 
So, Revelation 13 exposes Satan's effort toward to create a world government, a world religious system. Yes, Satan will be the driver behind the end-time world religion and the global economic sanctioning system commonly referred to by prophecy people and people that don't really understand some of the prophecies about the mark of the beast, which we are watching being established right now. Let me give you an example of that. CBN News recently published an article. The title was, The Big Development in China is Setting Up the World for the Mark of the Beast. Well, of course, that caught my eye, right? I'm living in the news every day. I see this article. And a couple excerpts from the article say, China is on the cusp of launching a digital currency that will give the communist regime total control over the Chinese people. Have you ever wondered about the passage in the Bible about a government restricting the population so that you cannot buy or sell unless you have a particular mark? Well, China's move toward a cashless society, they believe, is the answer. This is where the entire world is literally being set up for that kind of governmental control. The Chinese government is pushing ahead on many fronts to restrict its population, what they can and cannot do. They already restrict the right of assembly. They already restrict the religious freedoms. They certainly restrict political speech and any speech that is critical of their government and the way they run things is definitely cracked down on. China wants to control, and they're doing it right now with a social credit score, where if you don't score a particular way, you're not allowed to travel. That's already in place. But just imagine a government that if you step out of line, they can now turn off all your money and do it instantly so you cannot buy or sell. You don't have the right in the marketplace to participate anymore. That's what digital currencies allow a government to do. And if you think it's just going to happen in China... Think again. The Federal Reserve in the United States already has a study group looking at a digital currency right here in our homeland. Why are they doing that? Because they're afraid China will usurp the U.S. and become the world currency. That digital currency is taking over. So now you can see how prophecies written 2,000 to 2,500 years ago coming to pass right before our very eyes. These are precursors, these moving off of the cashless societies and into onto digital platforms, especially in currencies, can con- give governments control of the population and being able to control more specifically what they can purchase and what they can sell, functioning in society. Precursors to the mark of the beast, everybody. We're watching these prophecies come to pass right before our very eyes, and it's happening very rapidly. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. In this segment, we're continuing our uh, walking through the book of Revelation, trying to figure out what this is all about, how to explain and understand the book of Revelation. And I'm giving some examples of parenthetical chapters that are, are interwoven in between all of these accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ, of which there are at least four in the book of Revelation talking about the mark of the beast here, Revelation chapter 13, verse 16 through 18. And we're talking about what China is doing and being able to control their people already through social credit scores and digital currencies. And, you know, you see all the action happening in the stock markets, the various markets for Bitcoin and other digital currencies, their rapid rise and people becoming overnight millionaires, billionaires even, based on the value of these digital currencies. And so the, the Federal Reserve here in the United States, they want to get in on that action to protect the U.S. dollar as the world currency. Plus, do you think there's an element of control in there? I mean, we depend on the dollar be, uh, remaining the world's uh, preeminent currency, and, you know, but we're spending ourselves into oblivion. And... What allows us to do that is that we have the world's reserve currency. So we are essentially borrowing against the value of our currency in order to have a $2 trillion deficit. Well, guess what? That party has come to an end. At some, it's got to end at some point in time. China's waiting for that party to end, and they want to step on the world stage with a digital currency. Unfortunately, at the end of that, the majority of the global population will be subject to a government that will not agree with your opinions. It's not going to agree with your religion. It's not going to agree with the people you hang out with. And and they would absolutely restrict your access to that digital currency in an effort to control you. It's happening in China right now. And folks, that's how you get the fulfillment of a Bible verse, verse that says you can't buy or sell without a mark. We've been talking a lot lately about central bank digital currencies and all these, all these central banks or a cabal of private bankers 
All they need is one more reason to implement central bank digital currencies to control the economy. Now, one more article that we, I wanted to talk about really quick is because the central bank digital currencies, they're really, really pushing for them. And the Jewish News Syndicate, they reported that Iran has placed it, their first import order using cryptocurrency, according to a news report. So Iran made its first official import order just recently using cryptocurrency, and they reported this was reported by the official Tanzanian news agency, a move that could allow the Islamic Republic to evade sanctions imposed by the United States to keep them from getting a nuclear weapon. By the end of September, the use of cryptocurrencies and smart contracts will be widely used in foreign trade with targeting an an official from the Ministry of Industry to keep them from having to go, to maybe to avoid sanctions by other nations. The Ministry of Mine and Trade, Industry Mine and Trade, said on Twitter. That was reported by Reuters. So, the, the $10 million order by Iran was a first step towards enabling the Islamic Republic to conduct business with countries similarly constrained by U.S. sanctions like uh, Russia. And through digital assets, they do not rely on the dollar. That, that's the type of digital currency used was not mentioned, though. It was a cryptocurrency. According to the report, a study published last year discovered that 4.5% of all Bitcoin mining occurred in Iran, the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. And it was partly due to the country's cheap electricity. And as a result, hundreds of millions of dollars could be made by Iran through cryptocurrency mining, which could be used to pay for imports and lessen the effects of sanctions. And central bank digital currencies are decentralized which means governments cannot control them. This is why Iran is implementing their own digital form of currency, CBDCs, or the governments are, and um, Iran is using cryptocurrencies because they're decentralized. It's one more way that we're seeing precursors to the mark of the beast because the central banks of the world, with the Bank for International Settlements at the hub, will not allow these decentralized cryptocurrencies to continue to function. They've got to be able to regulate them. And that's what's happening right now. Over 90%, about 90%, just over of these central banks around the world are looking into or have already rolled out their own version of a central bank digital currency. It go, it's a, certainly a precursor to the Mark of the Beast system. Now... Back to our study of walking through Revelation. The book of Revelation contains three groups of seven. Seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. The first account of the second coming is contained in the sixth and seventh seals. The opening of the sixth seal is recorded in Revelation uh, 6, verse 12 through 14. It says, And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. Now, this, is, this account is given many times throughout Scripture. Joel mentions it, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. 
It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 24 by Jesus at the Olivet Discourse. Many different times throughout. And so the Bible says, uh, it goes on to say in Revelation 6, Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Again, this is told over and over throughout Scripture, what will happen at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. Well, verses 15 through 17 of Revelation 6, it goes on to say that the great day of His wrath is come. You say, well, hold on a minute. What about, Dave, I thought the, the, rat, the uh, vials of the wrath of God were poured out in Revelation 16. This is proving my point. That the, there are four accounts of this in the book of Revelation. If you try to look at the, the book of Revelation as written in chronological order, you'll have the wrath of God occurring four separate times. So you've got to get this principle when you're trying to figure this stuff out. We're going back to Revelation 6 verse... 15 through 17, it says, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief of the captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, all the way back in Revelation 6. And who shall be able to stand? Remember, the Lamb is Jesus Christ here. Now, the mighty men of the world, they're suddenly overwhelmed with fear. And they cry out. The Bible says, in the end time, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Here, they cry out, hide us from the face of Him that sits on the throne. We've been living in rebellion, these individuals, against Jesus Christ and His Lordship. And we've done our own thing. We've gone our own way. And now it's time for the reckoning. Everybody, folks, will give an account in the end time. And these people are not ready. So they're crying to the mountains, hide on us and hide hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. But there's going to be no hiding in that day. Now, the opening of the seventh seal concludes the first account of the unveiling in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. Remember, chapter 7 is a parenthetical chapter. It's describing the sealing of the 144,000 and the great end time revival starting with Revelation 7 verse 9. Then we go right back into it in Revelation 8 1. And the Bible says, And he opened, uh, and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. Well, many people have wondered what this 30 minutes of silence in heaven could be. It's our opinion that this is all of heaven falling silent as they watch in awe the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ as it is caught up to meet Jesus in the air and he descend, as He descends from heaven. The last verse of the seventh seal is uh, Revelation 8, 5, which says, And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And this is, this is very important. The Bible says here, and there were voices, thunderings, earthquake, uh, light, voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So let's look at the things that happened during the sixth and seventh seal. This describes the first account of the second coming, the unveiling. So there was a great earthquake. The sun became dark. The moon became as blood. 
Stars fall from heaven. The heavens open. Mountains and islands are moved out of their places. The day of His wrath is come. And there's voices, thunderings, lightning, and earthquakes. That's under the sixth and seventh seal. Now we move into the second account of the second, of the, um, second coming and the unveiling. And it happens under the seventh trumpet. Remember, there are seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. This is the skeletal structure, not the segmentation. That's Revelation 1.19. This is the skeletal structure of the, of the book of Revelation. The seventh trumpet is recorded in uh, Revelation chapter 11. This is, would be a Revelation, let's start with uh, 15, Revelation 11.15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, they fell upon their faces and they worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power, and hath reigned and hast reigned. So that's verses 15 through 17. The seventh trumpet simply depicts the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Jesus will overthrow all the human governments and will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. This will begin uh, what's called in the scriptures the kingdom of God, the physical kingdom of God here on the earth. Jesus Christ will then rule the world for the next 1,000 years. Now, as we conclude the seventh trumpet, it's not over yet, the, um, the Bible says, and the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. You say, well, hold on a minute, Dave. You just said the wrath occurred back in the sixth vial. That's correct. But now we're in a second account of the same event. It doesn't happen four times, but it's told over and over the same event. So the Bible says here in Revelation chapter 11, the nations were angry, thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. And thou shouldest give reward unto the servants, the prophets, and to the saints. This is going to be the time of the rapture. And them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of the testament. And listen at this. Remember Revelation chapter 8 at the, at the end of the seven seals. Now we're, now we're right here at the end of the seven trumpets. Listen closely. And there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, and an earthquake and great hail. That's Revelation 11, 18, and 19. The same thing happened back under the seventh seal at the end of that. So the events of the seventh trumpet are the exact same events of the sixth and seventh seal. Very, very important that you get that when you're trying to figure out the book of Revelation. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. So again, this is very key. The events of the seventh trumpet are the exact same events as the sixth and seventh seals. What are they? The sounding of the trumpet. The earthly reign of Jesus Christ begins. The day of God's wrath has come. And again, just like in Revelation 8, there are lightnings, voices, thunderings, and great hail and an earthquake. This account, this is the uh, second account of the unveiling. Remember, the book of Revelation is the dramatization of the second coming. I mean, it's as if Almighty God said there's going to be This is going to be the focal point, the crowning event. And I want the people of the earth to get the message. I'm going to, I'm not going to tell them once. I'm not even going to tell them twice. I'm going to give them four dramatic accounts of my second coming so that they can really understand the importance of it and know the events that will occur leading up to that. Now, there's a third account. The third account of the second coming or unveiling is what we like to call the, the two harvests. Jesus gave a parable, remember, about the two harvests in Matthew 13. The, the parable describes the harvest of the wheat and the tares. He said the harvest is going to happen at the end of the age, when I will gather together the wheat into the barn, and I will gather the tares and burn them with unquenchable fire. It's back in Matthew 13, 30. So the two harvests in Revelation 14, 14 through 20 tells the exact same story. In this account, however, the harvest of the wheat is called the harvest of the earth, and the harvest of the tares is called the harvest of the vine of the earth. It's the exact same prophecy. The harvest of the earth is the rapture. And it's described in Revelation um, 14, 14 through 16. Uh, John said, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. So he's going to reap a harvest. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the clouds thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now, the second harvest is the harvest of the vine of the earth. And it happens at the Battle of Armageddon. Revelation 14, 17 through 20 says, And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire. And he cried with a loud uh, cry and said unto him that had the sharp sickle, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for the grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, gathered the vine of the earth, 
and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Now we're right back into the wrath of God again, and we're all the way over in Revelation 14. So the wrath of God, Revelation 6, Revelation 11, and now here we are in 14, and here's another account, the third account. And the winepress of the, of, uh, was trodden down without the city, and the blood came out of the winepress, even under the horse bridles, by the space of 1,600 furlongs. Now, notice that the vine of the earth was cast into the great winepress of the, of the wrath of God, trodden without the city. The city referred to here is Jerusalem. The entire scene depicts God pouring out His wrath upon the nations during the Battle of Armageddon. And the Battle of Armageddon will conclude in the Kidron Valley, right there between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives at the city of Jerusalem. It's the same account in Revelation 16 again and 19, which really kind of go together, and I'll show you that if we have time here. So let's review what occurs in this account of the second coming. It it doesn't reveal as much detail as the other three accounts, but we do have the rapture, the wrath of God, and the battle of Armageddon. Now, the fourth account of the second coming or unveiling of Jesus Christ, that happens at the seventh vial. And there's really the most... This is the most detailed account, really. This account's found in Revelation 16, verses 15 through 21. And then it continues in Revelation 19, 6 through 21. Because um, chapters 17 and 18 are interjected between chapters 16 and 19 to record the judgment of false Christianity, which will take place during the events of the second coming. So these, the chapters 17 and 18 are parenthetical chapters, explanatory chapters, just like chapters 13 and chapters 12 and some different ones. Now, at, in Revelation 16, I probably ought to mention the, the last-minute warning because you've got to get the timing of all of this right. Look at what I call the, this last-minute warning a, a little earlier in chapter 16. God is gathering the kings of the earth down against Israel for the battle of Armageddon. He pauses and he says, wait, behold, I come as a thief. Now, that's thrown a lot of people off because of the timing of the rapture. A lot of people said, no, this happened seven years before, a lot of different things. But he only comes as a thief one time. Now we're right here, the battle of Armageddon is, is engaged. And the Lord says, hey, behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, keepeth his garment, lest they walk naked and they see his shame. That's Revelation 16, 15. Remember, remember, this is a last-minute warning just before the rapture. Behold, I come as a thief. The next two verses say, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vials into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It's done. And there were, here it is again. Now remember, Revelation chapter 8, Revelation chapter 11, and now here it, here it is again in Revelation 16. And there were voices, thunderings, lightning, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. That's Revelation 16, 16 through 18. Now, the events take place at the Battle of Armageddon. The battle is called Armageddon because 
The word Armageddon comes from two words, Har Megiddo, which means hill of Megiddo. Megiddo's in northern Israel. The battle of Armageddon will be engaged in the plain of Megiddo. Then it's going to culminate right outside of Jerusalem in the valley of Jehoshaphat, um, also known as the Kidron Valley. When we take our tours to Israel, we walk down through the Kidron Valley every year because there is great prophetic significance to that valley. Now, this is where the wrath of Almighty God will be executed against the armies that have come down attempting to eradicate the nation of Israel. In Revelation 17 and 18, God pauses to give an account of the execution of His wrath against false Christianity. Now, this is important. Remember, God's wrath is, is come in Revelation 6, in Revelation 11, in Revelation 14, and now here we are again in 16 and 19, and His wrath has come. Now, two full chapters record the wrath of God against those who claim to be Christian, the false Christian, but have so pervertedly, they, they perverted Christianity that it has become the religion of the Antichrist and his religious partner, the false prophet. The continuation of this fourth account of the unveiling is found in Revelation 19. You read from 16 right over to 19, verse 6, and then keep on going because there's a parenthetical chapter inserted in there too. And I heard, as it were, Revelation 19. I heard, as it were, the voices of a great multitude and as the voices of many waters and in the voice of um, mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Revelation 19, 6 and 7. The wife is the bride, the church. The church is going to be married to Jesus Christ at his second coming. In chapter 19... It's time for the marriage of the Lamb, and the church has made herself ready. At this time, the church will be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air as He comes down for the battle of Armageddon. The Scriptures say, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And He saith unto me, Write, John, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Revelation 19, 8 and 9. It should be every person's number one goal to be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you make it, the Bible says you are blessed. There's nothing more important than that. How do you do that? Be born again. Have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. So there's nothing more important in your life than that. Now... This is when we come to the fourth unveiling. John said, In his vision I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as the flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. That's verses 11 through 13. So this passage says the heaven opened and we have um, under the sixth and seventh seal, remember. And also here it says the heaven opened. And then we have the second coming under the seventh trumpet. And now here we are once again seeing the heavens opened 
And because it's one, it's the same event told many times in the book of Revelation. Revelation 19 provides more details about the battle of Armageddon. The Bible says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth, here it is again, just like in 14, the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. That's verses 14 and 15 of Revelation 19. So here we see the same events as in the other accounts of the unveiling. In Revelation 16 and 19, we have voices, thunders, lightnings, a great earthquake, hail. Here we have marriage of the Lamb, heavens opened, Armageddon, the wrath of God, earthly reign of Jesus Christ begins. Now, you and I live in the time of the fulfillment of Jesus and His second coming. It's going to happen in just a very near future, folks. It is just ahead of us now, and we want to make sure that you are in the right harvest. You want to be in the wheat. You don't want to be in the tares. Our number one goal should be in the harvest of the wheat, and this is the reason we are studying the plan of God for the end time contained in the book of Revelation. And there are so many viewpoints, so many perspectives out there, but we want to make sure that you get every detail right, as much as we know. We don't claim to know everything. Never have, never will. Not until the Lord comes back. But prior to that, the Bible says we can understand the prophecies, and we want to do our best to, to help you understand these things so you can go out and be influential in telling your own friends, family, and your sphere of influence what's coming in the very near future, understand the timing of it all, and number one, to prepare yourself for the soon return of Jesus Christ to this earth. There's nothing more important in your life. Just like Jesus told Nicodemus, be born again. Get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and make sure you're prepared for the second coming. It's told four accounts in the book of Revelation, so it must be pretty important, right? This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.